Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics podcast. We host real conversations with real experts from around the world. Away from the filtered bubble of social media, our aim is to educate listeners and explore any topic in the cosmetic and wellness space. We also get a unique insight into the business minds of the entrepreneurs and pioneers who have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general information about procedures and products. You should seek professional medical advice and assessment before considering any treatment. Today's Inside Aesthetics podcast is brought to you by Envogue Skin. Our guests on the podcast today are Ian Carroll and Dr. Dana Lim. Ian is the director and founder of Envogue Skin, an Australian distributor of a number of aesthetic brands, including Revision Skincare, the Vivacy range of fillers, and Matrix PDO monothreads. Dr. Dana Lim is a leading cosmetic physician who works at Shape Clinic in Sydney, and she's a key opinion leader in the field of threads. We go on a deep dive into the world of matrix PDO mono threads, the small non-barbed threads that are used to stimulate collagen and improve the skin's overall look and feel. This is a fairly new technique, but one that has absolutely exploded onto the aesthetic scene in Australia. They're hugely popular because of their easy insertion and better safety profile than injectables. As always, we ask the tough questions, including, do they really work? Good evening, Ian. Good evening, Dana. How are you? Good. How are you? We are well. Inside Aesthetics evening session was kind of a rare but uh, nice treat with champagne and bubbles flowing. Yeah. We, we, we really look forward to the in-person ones now because of the Zoom world. It feels like we're living in a virtual reality. So when we get to go in the studio, it's always something that's should be celebrated. <laughs> yeah. Faces to faces. So team on Vogue, should I, should I say, or on Vogue Skin, yeah. Ian, tell us all about On Vogue Skin and uh, your role and when you became involved with them. Yeah, so I started In Vogue about mm, two years ago, two and a half years ago. I've been in aesthetics since 2004, so I've worked for a few other companies, fairly large ones. And I just got to the point where I thought, you know, there could be more players in the market. I think, you know, there wasn't a lot of bespoke companies around. Yeah. Um, and I just got to the stage where I thought, you know, there's a lot of independent clinics that need, you know, more specialized, independent, kind of more, maybe an alternative way of looking at things. So, yeah, I just started it. And I was really, really lucky. You know, I ended up getting a skincare brand and then that helped me get a dermal filler brand and then the Matrix threads came along. So, yeah, right. it's more of a... I don't know. It was a lot of design in it, but it did happen, and it's it's going well. So, so from a, a business perspective, how did you sort of get the ball rolling in that? Because there's a lot of stuff that you would have had to, you know, thinking up um, what products you said you got really lucky with the products that you brought in, but obviously, yeah. you know, TGA, um, getting dist- distribution agreements. Yeah. How did like talk us through the process? Yeah. Look, I, I would like to say there's a there's a huge grand plan, but usually it's. It, it, you know, obviously starting with one product and building a little bit of a, a customer base, uh, then you've got the opportunity to go to other brands and say, look, I had, I already have X number of customers and we're doing this sales and, and looking for products that dovetail into what you've currently got. I was really, really lucky with my dermal filler. It was already registered. Right. So the company that owns the product uh, registered the product before they found a distributor, which is really unique. Hmm. Ah. But really helpful for me because they could sign the contract and then a day later you were selling. So in that way, it was really useful. Um, And the distribution thing is 
really simple. I mean, yeah. I think it's 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 a pretty basic business. If you if you stuff up distribution, then you mummy go do something else. Because you know, at the end of the day, we're a middleman. We're trying to build the awareness of products, support the clinics, do the training, keep that ongoing business. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be challenging though when you're dealing with a company overseas to try and convince them that you're going to be able to do these amazing things for their product and you've got all these distribution channels when you're starting from yeah. scratch. Yeah. So I know we didn't plan these questions, but I'm always interested in business, yeah. how you sort of convince them that you guys were going to be the people that yeah. were going to be able to shift their product because they're, they're signing a contract with you, right? Yeah. Exclusivity oh, for absolutely. a period of time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they, and, and it, well, it's a two-way thing. Obviously, trust is to, I'm buying their product and supporting it. It has to be the right thing. So, uh, but- I, I'm lucky. I've been in the industry for quite a while. I worked overseas, so I got introduced to quite a other lot of people in the industry, and I was recommended by uh, one of the um, distributors of this product overseas as a as the Australian distributor. So I think the dermal filler was the kind of game changing thing. It really set us apart because we're the only independent uh, dermal filler in Australia now. Every other filler is locked up with a company, like a multinational. So, um, And once you get a dermal filler, you're in the big, big markets. It's much easier then to attract other brands. You're talking to, you know, X hundred clinics and so forth, the sales teams of a certain size and stuff. Um, you know what? It, it's really simple. You just need to do what you say. Yeah. Uh, make promises, deliver on them. Don't try and grow too fast. Get the right salespeople. And I've been really, really lucky. I have fantastic salespeople. Um, and then you just need to support them in the field. So, yeah. So, as a relative newcomer to the obviously the filler market, and you just mentioned you're you're now in league with the big boys, the big pharma companies. Uh, how difficult is that, and how competitive is the market? It, it's a very competitive market. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I think it's competitive in the sense that for the the chain clinics, it's a, a much more competitive market. Mm -hmm. We work more with independents. Um, and most markets have segments that, you know, quite separate from each other. So we initially launched in, you know, smaller, more independent clinics, and we were able to gain market share quite quickly by supporting the clinics. And, you know, our pricing is a, a little bit better. Uh, and then we move out to those other markets. So, um, look, I th most of the big brands would only say they compete with each other. Like they don't see the smaller brands as real competitors. Mm. Um, I think that's a huge failing and, and, and great for us because it leaves the door open. Um, and the other side as well is I think clinics don't just use one or two products anymore. They really are open-minded to what the best filler for this indication is versus what the best, and you know, they're, they're less reliant on saying, I have to buy all my filler from one company, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, and we have some products that people absolutely love and we have f some products that people go, oh, no, there's a better one from a different company. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, being smaller, we're a bit more nimble, uh, a bit more flexible with how we can support clinics. And I think they've enjoyed it. Um, but we're not here to rule the world. We're not here to, you know, have 60% market share. We're just happy with, you know, the customers that we work with. So, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I think that um, people like the idea of bespoke these days and they like being treated as an individual. I mean, you know, we've had... Um, people on here talking about specific skincare um, that's designed specifically for their skin. So I think having 
the option to have different products for like, you might even use different products on the same patient in the same setting, depending on the indication. So I think that, and, and I think this thing as well as the big, the big companies, you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. And there's always room in the market for people that are going to do things differently. Yeah. Dr. Lim, very quiet in the corner. So we've ignored you. Um, tell us the uh, listeners about your background, Dana, because you've been around for about, I think, 13 or 14 years already in your bio. Oh, close to 15 years, actually. Okay. So um, most of that was probably uh, spent in emergency. I was an emergency doctor for close to 10 years. Yeah. Um, transitioned over a very long period of time because I was always guilty about crossing over to the dark side. <laughs> but no regrets. Um, seven years on and having the time of my life. And what, what was the point where you thought, okay, screw this, I'm out? Well, emergency was good in the sense that I could hand over, go home, not worry about it. Someone was always there to take care of the patients. And, and I've got a problem with letting go. I, I worry too much. Um, cosmetic, immediate patient satisfaction, they don't need you, they want you. In emergency, it's the other way around. Mm. So um, having educated patients who listen, um, forming a partnership over the long term with informed consent, I'm really big on that. Yeah. And I'm really more of an academic. I, I'm not greedy. I don't work full time. In fact, I like to laze around and just do um, studies on, on the science of the products um, and, and the devices. So um, I'm a trainer for quite a few companies and I really just like the academic aspect of it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you mentioned the dark side. Why, why? And I've heard this before. It's not the first time I've heard it. I've even referred you, to it myself it as the dark, dark side. Arts. The dark arts. Why? Where'd that come from? Why? Why is it? Why is it so considered so taboo? It's interesting. That comes from a business, partially business perspective as well. Mainstream medicine has always been. Um, I should say there's no uh, right or wrong in it. Everything should be um, evidence based. Mainstream medicine, unless it gives um, a really high profit margin to the, for example, pharmaceutical companies, not a lot of money goes into research and development. Whereas in cosmetic, there is actually money in it and people are spending so much money accelerating the research and development, which is why it's such an exciting field to work in. But because um, there might not be really robust studies that are well designed, uh, it is it draws a lot of critique from, from mainstream medicine who don't understand. But you can certainly practice ethically and, and we're trying to uphold standards and raise uh, cosmetic practice standards um, every single time we practice. It's not about competition, it's just about doing the right thing because Making people feel and look good about themselves is, is part of mental well-being, you mm. know? Yeah. Yeah, well said. I agree with that. And what's your experience with threads? Because that's the main focus of today and particularly the PDO mono threads. Yeah, so um, I've been using threads on and off for the last five years. Started off with the polycaprolactone large threads and I've migrated to using both large and small PDO threads. So PDO actually means polydioxinone. I'm a bit of a nerd, so I'll just go into a little no, bit of the chemistry. <laughs> so it's a, it's an ether ester polymer. So it comes as a closed ring and with the catalyst, you can actually um, polymerize that into poly dioxinone, which is what PDO stands for. Mm -hmm. So the chemical structure is such that when it absorbs water, once you insert it into the body, be it a big one or a small, small thread, um, it, hydrolyz uh, it hydrolyzes and dissolves. And that creates an inflammatory reaction that causes a core of collagen to form around the axis of the threads. Yeah. So um, it creates a tightening effect with the small threads. You put in enough in the correct layer. You just have to match the right indication with the right patient and, and the right technology. Brilliant. I was saying to um, Jake before we went live that the threads have been around for a really long time. And I know we're here to talk about specifically the PDO threads, but I remember going back 15 years ago, you had the silhouette threads and people were thinking, oh, they're going to replace facelifts and, and or be able to work, you know, the same sort of miracles that that surgical procedure has. 
But it seems like threads only now are starting to get that hype around them. It's sort of been this really slow burn of like 10 to 15 years of them being in the industry. And now there's all this excitement. Like every time I go on Instagram, there's people like, you know, what are, you're seeing these hundred little threads, you know, in the face or people doing on this on their belly button all over the place. What do you think sort of, maybe this is a question for both of you, what's actually changed that's now all of a sudden brought them to the forefront? Okay. Simply speaking, it's experience and skill. So I think the original threats probably started in Europe and America somewhere. And then Asia took it on. And being like um, like economic powerhouses like South Korea or China, just a large, there's been a really large uptake of threats in those um, economies. And just with the clinical experience, it's far, it's far outstripped whatever the Western countries could have, could have, ex- uh, could have expected. And with that comes uh, the cl- clinical experience and skill that a allows us to design far better vectors, um, understand the science better, and also um, understand why it works and why it doesn't. So it will be down to experience and and, uh, just the practitioner skill. Do you think that's driven because, um, you know, the Asian market, particularly China, Korea, people are obsessed with their skin quality, whereas here in Australia, it's like, nah, I'm just yeah. going to be some Botox. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a different culture. Even you say we've got beautiful skin. So uh, people are looking for like that extra edge, the icing on the cake. Uh, they'll try the new laser and technology seems to always be a bit ahead in South Korea compared to, you know, here in Australia. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. There's been immense pressure in South Korea and to a certain extent China. South Korea, the statistics a few years ago was that one in three people would have had some kind of cosmetic surgery done. And I think from a society perspective, it's quite unfair because women have always been made to feel bad about themselves. They have to work hard and make the money to get the procedure done. Mm. So I don't think it's necessarily healthy from that point of view. So while the Australian perspective is, so what if I age, I'm going to enjoy my life, stay out in the sun and all that. But um, Asian culture is also such that um, any imperfection is deemed to be not acceptable. So they've tried to push themselves. Um, I think there are a lot of type A personalities there. <laughs> so it's also pushed technology to cutting edge, which is a good thing for us because we get to reap the benefits of that. Yeah. Now, the PDO threads, and, and this was a misconception that I had, was it's not about really the lift, it's about the collagen stimulation. And we've got a few different collagen stimulators in the market. So things like Sculptra, Radius, um, needing, needling, you know, all these sort of biostimulatory type of products. Can you just maybe just give us like an overview of sort of how they all work and then maybe how the threads, the PDO threads fit in to, I guess, those sort of suites of that suite of treatments? Sure. Um, like I said, aging is a continuum and therefore treatment has to be a continuum. There's no perfect technology. It's all about matching the right um, technology to the right um, indication. So with uh, biostimulating treatments, it's uh, collagen stimulating treatments, I should say. If you just focus on the skin, anything like biorevitalization, which may um, include injecting a non-crosslink uh, hyaluronic acid into the skin uh, with um, vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients, to support the um, the, uh, the dermal structure and cause redensification or, or whatnot, that will improve the skin quality. Um, that causes collagen stimulation to a certain extent, but most of it will be due to the hydration that gives you that glow, um, which gives patient satisfaction um, in a little as a few days. Whereas um, things like polylactic acid, you can inject it in the skin or in the fat layer. So it depends on whether you want volumization or you want to um, revitalize Revitalize the skin as as per with the with the um, bio revitalization injections. The thing is, it's very hard to get um, polylactic acid into the correct layer just by injection alone. You, it's very difficult to get it in the skin. 
So um, it's up to skill and um, also um, from a business perspective, to be honest, the, um, the profit margin for polylactic acid is not high. I happen to use a lot of this product and and it's um, it's more for patient um, value. I think in the interest of my patient, it's not about the profit margin. I just want them to have the best result. But if I were to revitalize skin, that is not my first choice. I use it more for volume and expanding um, fat compartments that have deflated from age or, or sag due to gravity. Then you've got um, platelet-rich plasma or, or skin needling, and that's more superficial. And interestingly, you can actually increase the thickness of um, the, the dermis. And there is a subtle lift if you do enough um, microneedling treatments. But is that enough for people to use that for the primary indication? I don't think so. So um, large PDO threads with cogs, barbs, whatever you call them, they give a me mechanical lift that's instant. So once you put it in, if you anchor it right, you can see the lift. But with the mono threads, mono just means single filament. So it's just one filament with no barbs, nothing. It's finer than a human hair, so it's less than 0.1 millimeters in diameter. So you put it in the right layer. Again, um, try not to put it in the epidermis. It causes a very um, strong inflammatory reaction, which is how it hydrolyzes. Um, if you put it... Uh, subdermally, you should get a good lift just by uh, being close to the papillary dermis where um, where all the fibroblasts lift. So uh, there's a, a biostimulate uh, biostimulatory effect. Put it in the fat. There's a mild lipolysis component, but it doesn't. It, that's not the primary indication. There are more efficient ways of doing uh, of dissolving fat than putting in tons of monothreads. And then if you happen to put it into muscle, whether accidentally or intentionally. You can actually block or increase muscle activity. It depends on the axis of how you put it in because it creates collagen. So the collagen can either strengthen or block. It's a form of myomodulation. So there's a lot of signs that's quite interesting behind that. So you look at the patient. Um, you first look at them. Do they Are they on the right skincare? That's the long-term maintenance that's most cost-effective for them. Do they lack volume? If they lack volume, then no amount of monothreads are, are going to do anything. I think of it as um, if you think about a balloon making a water bomb with a balloon. You want a nice tight balloon that's new. You put water in it, you tie it up, you smash it, and, and someone gets hit straight away, it bursts. If you have a balloon that's been sitting out, you've blown it up for a few days, the skin stretches, and, and you can put the same amount of water in. But if you throw it, it just doesn't have that same impact. So unfortunately, um, humans are not balloons. So we have the <laughs> ability to regenerate. So that's where the monothreads come in. You want to tighten and increase the um, integrity of the skin envelope. So that's the best analogy I can think of at this moment you, you mentioned that it can help with muscle growth can you just can we can you do my well, biceps after we uh just get down the gym <laughs> yeah. jake's like is that all you took from that <laughs> yeah. priorities yeah. yeah i'm assuming you meant bicep muscle and, yes. and nothing else yeah. <laughs> well, you never know new indication yeah ian can i bring you in just ask hmm. you the story of how you got hold of the Matrix threads. So they're from South Korea, correct? Yeah, yeah, they're from a company called 21st Century Medical. So so how did you go about deciding, I want that, and, and why not the others? Yeah, and it was an interesting story. It was a product that was already registered by a clinician in Melbourne, Ben Chan, and he had got on to them quite early. He worked with them in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a relationship and he said, look, these we've got these fantastic products, but we can't get them to market. Can you help us? And I was really skeptical. I think probably like most people in the market, like are these things really going to work? I mean, they're just 
tiny little threads? Do they really do what they say they're going to do? Mm. Um, but we did a couple of trials and the, the changes in texture and tone and skin are really are genuinely amazing. And, and you first think, okay, this is a one-off and then you do you know, another couple of patients and a few more and you do a few more indications and you start to see there is actually a, a genuine uh, use for these products. Um, I guess coming back to your point about, you know, the difference between, you know, the biostimulators and threads, I see, you know, talking to customers, a predictability that's not available in other products. And uh, there's a, there's, there's a really good way of getting a, a certain dose of threads into a certain area because you know I put 50 threads in the nasolabial, I put 20 threads in the nasolabial. You know how much PDO you've got there. You know the depth. So it's a, I see it a little bit more predictable. And when you're talking about neocollagenesis, you've got different varieties from a patient point of view, you know, depending on their age. But yeah, so that's how it started. You know, like most things in my business, it's relationships, it's 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 network and and this product fits perfectly with what we're trying to do, which is, you know, minimally invasive, consumable-based products. And it fits perfect with skincare and, uh, and dermal filler. It doesn't take over one of those two, you know. And the great thing about PDO is, well, a lot of people bring, the business, uh, bring PDO and realize, okay, I'm adding to my business. I'm not taking away from anything. I'm still using the same amount of bot uh, botulinum. I'm still using the same amount of, like, uh, dermal filler. And I can add PDO to it. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's a great business. Yeah. Well, we, we've had this chat like hundreds of times, Jake, about people wanting fillers that instant result, but quite often if they've got a poor canvas, so collagen loss, loss of elasticity, just general poor skin quality, you could put in like a thousand mils and it'll just disappear. It'll look overfilled. Their face starts to look deformed. Like mm. you just don't have that structure yeah. to hold it in place. Which begs the question, how do you introduce them to your practice, Dana? Because one of our biggest questions was, of course, do they work? Where should we use them on? And we can talk about that. But also, how do I integrate, integrate yeah. this into my practice? Okay, I tend to do a lot of monothreads at once. I don't do minor procedures where you do like 10, 20, or even 50 to me. It's, um, it's relatively minor. But what so, I meant was your patients who have had toxin filler you know, previously mm -hmm. until you were doing threads, how did you say, okay, guys, I've got this new thing called monothreads and this is what's, what it's going to do and, and how sceptical were your patients as well? My patients generally um, are quite uh, switched on. So they've already done their research before they've come to me. Okay. In fact, some of them actually come asking for it. Yes. But with the typical one where I have to introduce it, um, the reason I mentioned the number of threads I do is they tell me what they're concerned about and then I tell them the options that are available. Yeah. And in my opinion, that would be the most appropriate option that's also most cost-effective uh, for them at that moment in time. Yeah. And I also um, outline the lowdowns like... Uh, the downtime, swelling, bruising, because I do so many at once. And um, they have to be informed. I never do it on a first consultation. And I like to have a cooling off period where they go home, ask questions. They all take my car. They email me tons of questions, which I will respond to in record time because I have no <laughs> life. But um, generally, um, that true. creates a rapport and trust because I'm academic. So I will answer 100 questions if you send me 100 questions. Uh, you yeah. don't know what you just asked for. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. What's every your email address? <laughs> <don't know? laughs> well, every time I'm on Facebook, but you've cooked something amazing and there's some new dish. So you've got a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> you don't have kids, do you? Nope. No. I think the challenge, uh, Jake, is that um, we live in this world where everyone wants everything instantly and the, the idea of having to have a treatment that you might have to wait 
to see the result tends to be a challenge. I guess probably with, you know, maybe people younger, maybe I'm generalizing. I mean, do you think that would be the challenge? And how do you overcome that? Uh, young people, you can stratify them into 20s, 30s, 40s, not to be judgmental, but generally someone who wants that kind of uh, tightening will be in their late 30s to 40s and they're already quite switched on and they've done their research. At least my patient population um, mm. is mostly in that group. And I tell them you need to plan for downtime. Uh, the results are not instantaneous. Some people may not respond, depends on the technique. But in general, I've not had anyone in that age group who's not responded. I've done it in my mother who's in her mid 70s and it's still responded. Mm. So age is not a limiting factor. I know the um, usual indication is no one over the age of 55 or 60 or something. But I think that's more um, in case they don't have a good collagen um, regenerating capacity rather than a hard age limit. If their health is good, I don't see why not. And certainly there are very, very few non-responders. They might take longer to respond, which is why I pick the ones who are patient enough. I tell them, you will not see results. If you want something that's quick and easy, then go for something else. Mm. Um, laser will give you the downtime. It won't give you that um, that thick collagen um, in the dermis, uh, but it will take a few more treatments. So you you are the one who decides on your treatment plan. I just provide the options. I'm, I'm the mechanic. I'm, I, I can't fix the problem if you won't tell me what your priorities are. Yeah. Yeah. And can we pin down what are the sort of broad indications for why you would do a PDO thread? Like when, when a patient's on your bed and they complain of, you know, papery skin, fine lines, crepiness, is it those types of indications or, or, or not so much? There are two types of patients. One's um, the ones who want big threads, in which case Caucasians have very soft, buttery fat in the subcutaneous layer. Big threads generally don't catch on to that very well. They slip, the longevity suffers. So I either, if they're volume deplete, I use uh, a biostimulator injectable to volumize them appropriately. Or if they are volume appropriate, then I use monos to actually prep them for the thread procedure. So that's one of the groups. So I meant just the monos. Yeah, just the monos. Yeah, yeah okay. but the monos is meant to be as a prep for for the bigger threads down the track. So yeah. it's actually a very good prep in the continuum of all these collagen stimulating treatments. Mm -hmm. But in terms of um, the other ones who come in and I feel that they are suitable, there'd be someone um, who just wants, they are, they understand the difference between a mechanical lift where they put their finger up there and lift it by one centimeter. That is not what monothreads do. Mm -hmm. So I can tell them it gives you a more compact jawline, makes your skin look tight. So it's a tightening effect. And you may get some improvement in skin tone and texture, but that's not a guarantee. Yeah. Um, and you know, Asian patients can be um, very obsessive about the skin laxity. Most people will not think there's a problem there. They will be very happy with the mono results because elasticity is also a tactile sensation. Yes. Yeah. Even if you take 2D or 3D photos, sometimes it might not show in the before afters. And that's so. the crux of a yeah. lot of the skepticism, I think. Yeah. 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 I think the patients that have had the treatment are the, the, the best testimonials. Like we need to get those patients talking about the results. But, you know, predominantly we see patients that, you know, with that crepiness on the you know, lower cheek, we've done jawlines, um, nasolabial folds, marionettes. Um, we can go into areas like temples and stuff where you really probably wouldn't put a lot of uh, filler. We've actually done patients that are resistant to botulinum and to ligabella and stuff like that. So they're the indications that we see most of the mono threads going into. So that that's interesting because I think that's where a lot of people are getting confused. We're, we're, we're sort of taught or, or anecdotally told this is for collagen stimulation yeah and then we're also treating lines like the nasolabial fold marionette tear trough yeah and then people are like well hold on i thought i did that with filler and then 
they're sort of getting confused and they don't know what's what yeah. and so on. Because so, what we're doing is we're adding structure back to the dermis. Yes. So there's techniques that you use, you know, very soft HAs in the superficial dermis or the dermis to, to strengthen the tissue. So, yeah. um, you know, there's a firm pattern and so forth. So I think you could say, okay, what we're doing is we're adding structure back into the tissue yeah. um, and we're over time that collagen's growing and, and reducing that line. Of course, it's never going to get rid of it, which we don't want, but we are adding volume over time, but through collagen. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. And when you're presented with a patient and you're, you're putting together a treatment plan, how do you sort of map things out? I mean, how many do you need to do like an area? Is it like a mathematical calculation? Does it just depend on you know, what's presented in front of you? Is it trying to understand how do you work out how many you're going to need and how you're going to... Can I ask one uh, sort of to uh, paint a picture for listeners who yes. maybe don't know what a PDO thread is? Yes. It, yeah. it, what does it, the thread it's look like, like first? It's finer than a human hair and it's contained within um, usually a pink colored needle that helps to guide it under the skin. Yeah. That's why we call it 29 gauge needle. It slides in quite easily, comes in packs of five. And my most commonly used length is a 38 millimeter um, needle mm -hmm. with a five, um, 50 millimeter thread. So as you slide it in, um, the thread is curled over the end of the needle. When you take it out, it engages and unfurls. So you get the whole length of the thread within the dermis. Um, it comes in packs of five or 10, uh, depends on on how the manufacturer decides to package it at the time, I can hold five comfortably in, in one, my non-dominant hand at any one time. And I like to think in terms of areas. So um, you can space it uh, however far apart or as closely as you want. The typical distance would be about five to 10 millimeters apart, depending on the area. You can cross it over the lines of weaknesses. You can use it vertically or parallel. Depends on what you're trying to achieve there. Mm. There is a directional vector to it. If you're trying to lift something, obviously you go with a vertical axis. But if you're trying to in improve things like accordion lines, you're trying to strengthen the skin, so you go perpendicular. So the principles are very similar to injecting filler. So in terms of how many per area, I would say that, um, for example, in the upper lip, the filtrum is not a very long distance. So if you base it on that filtral distance with the nasolabial fold, you can easily squeeze about five in on mm. each side. And if you wanted a closer, dense, like a higher density, you take out whatever, because the hub actually is, it's, it's like stereo, um, stereotactic hindrance. So you just take it out and you put some more in, in between the holes that you poked before. So you get a very uh, close, um, close network of um, collagen formation. Right. I didn't understand some of those words that you said. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that. I am a big nerd. So <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. So, in terms of the treatment planning, so you're saying you can put them basically as closer as, or as far apart as, as you yeah, want. Yeah, typically really. between five to ten millimeters, right. and you can cross hatch it. You can uh, make it parallel to a certain thing you're trying to lift, or you can go perpendicular. It just depends on what you're trying to do. It's it's a very three dimensional um, way of thinking. It's like building a house. You have to know the strengths and the weaknesses, and their treatment plans are easily available for training. Yeah. So there's a lot of support in that sense. So there's no need to stress about what to do because once you do it, you'll know. Yeah, right. And what about the neck, you know, decolletage region? I mean, is it indicated for almost anywhere, anywhere where you've, where you've got skin laxity or you'd like to improve the collagen stimulation, you can put them there? 
Yes, you can, but it's also proportionate to how deep your pockets are. So um, <laughs> yes. with anything that's heavy, obviously um, body parts, um, loose skin on the arms, uh, you need a lot more threads. And also with the uh, numbing, I guess the arms are less sensitive than, say, areas in the face or around the jawline. Um, with the neck, it's not usually a problem. Neck can be comfortably done just with numbing cream. You can put a lot in. You can put it uh, perpendicular to um, uh, the necklines or you can put it parallel or in the necklines is all very flexible and in people with thin skin um it gives a very good uh, s a significant thickening of the dermis and the before afters for neck are actually quite impressive yeah mm. yeah because tends to be an area that often gets neglected people very much focus on their face yeah. and then that sort of neck region tends to sometimes be a giveaway if you know someone hasn't been looking after themselves or you can sort of see that they've paid close attention to rejuvenating their face but they've sort of forgotten about that and so i think that that's something that again we've spoken about as well jake is you know, having that ability to rejuvenate the neck just helps complete the picture. Yeah. I think the neck has always been an area where products have offered a promise and never delivered. So it's always this, okay, here's another product that's going to talk about necks and, you know, is it really going to work? So we see a lot of benefit around the jawline or, you know, submental area and so forth. And then when it comes to the body, a lot of postpartum bellies, yeah. you know, a couple of treatments. They're using a hundred threads per stomach and per treatment, but over time you're starting to get that tissue contraction and that lifting. And so that really crepey skin postpartum starts to come back. So, Can I ask, and this is kind of a bit of a subjective question and every patient will report back differently, but even if you can capture a good before and after, what is the satisfaction rate? I.e., are they after getting a perceived result happy that that's job done or are they still thinking well i actually wanted a bit more uh, it's a really good question i think with postpartum bellies probably you always, really always want more right yeah. you want it back to when you were 25 or something so uh, uh as i understand the, the bellies that we've done the patients have been really happy mm. i think they want to continue treatments though i think we've done generally two and they want to keep going um we haven't done a huge amount of off-face indications, yeah. uh, but we will next year and we'll do more training around that as well. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think the satisfaction is is good. I mean, and, and you compare it to something, I don't know, like an RF treatment and so forth, uh, we're getting better results than, than, than that. So, And that's an interesting point. So training, lots of people are asking who can be trained. Is yeah. it doctor only yeah. or nurse yeah. only, whatever? Yeah. Look, I... You know, training is the absolute cornerstone of aesthetics, right? If you can't train people, then you have no business. Uh, you shouldn't be in business, I guess. Um, so we were the first company to train nurses on monothreads. I think it's really important to say that it's monothreads. We don't generally work with nurses on long lifting threads. And registered nurses only? Registered nurses okay. generally, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a medical device, so there's no script involved. Um, but we still recommend that nurses have... Uh, they're covering doctor, or, uh, aware of the treatment and so forth. Yeah. Um, but training is really key. So from a theoretical point of view, then the face maps, so these are the kind of the treatment maps that we use to help, uh, I guess, beginner thread threaders understand the minimum number that they need to use and then ongoing training. Experienced injectors are always telling us this is really, really easy. You know, yeah. if you're an experienced injector and you're, you're working with fillers yeah. and certainly cannulas, uh, moving to mono threads is really, really fun. And I know there's a, a few uh, injectors out there that really lost their way with injectables and, and thought, oh, I've had enough of this. And then you introduce monos to them and they're like, oh, this is really fun. I'm going back and treating areas which 
you know, yeah. probably wouldn't have done in the past. So I think it's kind of reinvigorated a few people as well. So I have but to yeah. say, it, the training that you kindly gave me about two weeks ago was very fun and Good. very easy. So I, I concur. Good. I'm glad <laughs> to hear it. So what, what would the sort of training curve look like in terms of being able to be competent? If you're an experienced injector, say, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that have been injecting for two, three, four years, they might want to try this. How long do you think it would take for them? to be able to become very, very comfortable? So we generally break the training into two spots, or two um, slots. So lower face is the first, you know, and, you know, usually, because these, these threads are coming in bags of 100, usually people are buying between three to five bags, so three to 500 threads. Once they get through that and those indications, and that might take a week, it might take two weeks, it might take a month, depending on how they go, then we'd go back and do upper face and revisit the um, uh, those lower face. But my experience is experienced injectors get this super quick. Yeah, it was it was very easy, really. I guess you know, I've I literally done one patient, but uh, we did both upper and lower face. She tolerated it absolutely fine. She actually came back to me a week later and said the recovery was fine. And she also said, I think it's already working. And I was like, wow, I thought that's it was supposed quick. to take two or three months. So, um, you know, that's my anecdotal one-off case to say that it, it it's good. Yeah. 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 Can, yeah. It happen, can it happen that quick, Dana? It's interesting um, because some patients actually say they get an immediate lift uh, right after I put it. I think it's just from the actual um, physical support, even before the collagenesis yeah. kicks in. And certainly some people, in some people, the swelling goes down and builds up extremely quickly. I've seen results start in as, as little as two weeks. So it's not a fallacy. Like It's not just anecdotal. I have actually seen it. We just can't prove in studies. So I don't think anyone will let me take biopsies every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually really interesting. Um, Stacey, Sengos, one of your trainers, mm, yeah. and she, she kindly trained me. She was on Stephen Liu's um, aesthetics uh, conference, the, yeah. the online one, the lip show. Yeah. And she did the perioral lines with, you know, I don't know how many threads she used, but multiple. Mm. And what I took from it was, okay, you can actually build these things into like little scaffolds under the skin. It's just like, like a carpet. The, just like Dana said, you, yeah. you know, you can build a, a matrix or a, a, yeah. I can't remember how you described it, but um, that interested me because then I thought, okay, in my head, it's not just, you know, creating a bit of inflammation and, and that's it. You're actually building structure and shape, almost like uh, the the steel inside some concrete. Yeah. And that's yeah, like the rebar. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So yeah. from a vectoring perspective and maybe even a lifting perspective, I don't know. Can you comment on that, Dana? Um, it's exactly as you said, it is a scaffolding within the dermis and that's what makes the skin envelope tight. And that's what a lot of people want because that tactile sensation is very addictive. Women like to touch their faces. Um, <laughs> with regards to actual lifting, I cannot call it a mechanical lift just because to me that's very specific. If you can pull up your um, the areas of sag with your fingers by at least one centimeter, that to me is a mechanical lift. Yeah. But this is definitely very good tightening. Yes. Yeah. And if you want more tightening, you just get more threads put in. There is an... Um, I suppose there's no upper limit. I've had 500 in my face and neck and I'm going to hit 1,000. 500? Yes. Wow. Yes. Who put in for you? I tried to put one in myself. <laughs> I think I hit a nerve or something. I had to take it out. But yeah. um, anyway, I got one of my colleagues to do most of it. Is it Steven? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy. Okay. Fair 500. Enough. And how? what sort of time frame did, did you sort of do uh, that in? Well, I split into two sessions. So only took about an hour each session. 
Wow. Okay. And how long would you normally leave between coming back to an area again? So would it be that, that two to three month period or could you do it sooner or would you? If you want a more clinical result as in there is more room for improvement, you can certainly retreat in, in as little as six weeks. But um, for people like me, I'm a little bit on the excessive side. So I want to do it every, yeah, I do it every few weeks just to get to the point where I'm happy with it. Maintenance, however, for an average normal person, stress on normal, that would be probably a course every year to repeat the same areas. Right. Okay. I like how honest you are. You're like me. You know, we know all of our idiosyncrasies and craziness. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm feeling sort of we've got an akin sort of thing going on here because I know how crazy I am as well. So that's good. I don't feel like I'm so alone anymore. <laughs> Sorry, kindred spirits. <laughs> do you do bonsai as well? No, I'm not quite that obsessive. Okay, I don't really. have the patience for bonsai. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry, David, you're the weirdo. Um, <laughs> So for the injectors and uh, registered nurses and doctors listening, tell us about the, um, you know, the day of putting in some threads in a patient. So, you know, preparation, what do you say to someone a few days before, consent, all that kind of stuff. As you know, I work with uh, plastic surgeons, so um, we have a list of medications to avoid. Um, usually I just do a quick checklist. Please don't take any anti-inflammatories, fish oil, aspirin, things like that. If not, you just bruise for longer. It's not a, an absolute contraindication. I've yeah. actually treated someone who's on rivaroxaban, which is a long-term anticoagulant, right. and she happened to be a doctor as well. So yeah, you, you pick and choose. Um, <laughs> And in terms of prep, uh, they come, I do a consult separately. I usually, I very rarely treat on the day unless I've also done a Zoom consult. I, as I said, I like to have a cooling off period so they can't say that they haven't had time to think it through. Yes. So assuming I've already consented, taken photos, um, most of them don't need pre-medication for that. Because I do such a large number, I'm talking about hundreds in my patient. I don't just use numbing cream. In most small areas, you can get away with very strong numbing cream. It's quite comfortable. I've had it without any um, anesthetic block in my neck and that was very tolerable that would mm -hmm. be at least 100 threads yeah. um, with the face I would say the perioral region is the most sensitive because I do so many I sometimes do an infraorbital and mental block yeah. you don't have to you can just infiltrate or if your patients have a high pain tolerance you can do a little bit of entinox and, and uh, oral pre-med with diazepam if you so need to and just a bit of numbing cream before they usually tolerate a fair number of threads quite well I just have a blanket policy because I do so many yeah. Um, and with regards to recovery, I'll say that, uh, do you have a pr propensity to bleeding or bruising? If you do, you may bruise for up to two weeks. And in those people who bruise specifically, I will say if you have really thin skin around the eyes, I will not treat around the eyes because um, it's just a prolonged recovery. You pick your battles. Yeah. It's the right patient for the right um, for the right technology. That's all. And yet it'll be those patients who are complaining saying, hey, can you do something about this? Correct. And monothreads <laughs> are great for the tear trough, but you know, in those those deep set eyes where they have a groove that you have to subsize, threads are not going to cut it for those. But for people like me with um, just a little bit of a groove, I don't just use the monos. There are things um, called uh, like braided threads or double screws. That just means that there are two filaments of the thread that's uh, actually twisted around and wound around the wound around the thread, it's, uh, the needle that's guiding it. And you have to put it slightly deeper than you did the mono threads. Those provide better volume in areas that need volume. You can use them in any part of the face, but I find that for tear troughs like mine, not that mm. the audience can see it, but I've got like a typical Asian tear trough, not too deep set, just a little bit of volume. So that's a very good indication for, mm. for double screws or the thicker braided threads. And you can send for essentially similar to a standard injectable one. What, what are the risks and side effects apart from yeah, bruising? 
apart from that, if the end of the thread gets too superficial, it can get little lumps or granulomas for a few weeks. It's mm. it's not the end of the world. Most injuries from that uh, heal quite well. Infections are actually actually really rare. It's more down to whether they've got previous dental work that can act as a seed for infection. PDO does not attract bacteria generally. It is extremely it has happened, but it is extremely rare. Just make sure the field is clean and and everything is done according to um, not it's a clean procedure, not not aseptic. Yeah. We spoke about uh, preparation for the procedure. What sort of preparation do you need to do for your bank account to be able to afford, <laughs> to afford oh, this? Well, gosh. I will hand it over <laughs> to that's, that's Ian news. for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, take it away. No, Ian, tell seriously. Us, yeah. Ed, you know, um, I think from a profit margin to clinics, you are really, really up there. Well, well, well above 60%. Right. Really is. I mean, uh, PDO as a, as a material is fairly cheap. It's just a you know suture that's been around for forty years, um, so generally you know the the thread can cost from a practitioner point of view around three dollars, right? Um, and there are some people charging significantly more than that, uh, <laughs> way 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 more than that, uh, and then others mostly the markets around that you know six eight ten dollars a thread, right? So if you're putting you're putting in a, a if you're putting in a thousand like Dana, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lucky Dana's a customer, not a not a patient. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think that's one of the really really great things about PDO is 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 from a clinic margin point of view, yeah. it's nearly unbeatable. So, so most clinics would charge per thread, not per area. Thread. For well, it's a variety, you know, and I think this is where we're up with PDO. So we've we've certainly PDO monos. We've had a year's experience. Really, mm-hmm. we've been in market pushing for a year. With Matrix, um, this is just the start. You know, the, if we did this podcast in a year, I actually think it would be a really different market. I'll have to go we'll have, have you back. back. <laughs> have you back? Yeah. So I, th- yeah, we're just at the start here, and I think when it comes to pricing, people are still trying to find where that sits. Yeah. Some people are, you know, charging a hundred dollars a thread. Wow. Some so, people, yeah. Because I'm trying to get an idea about what the patient would be expecting to pay. Like, because if they want to do their face and their neck, you know, what yeah. roughly. Should that be? I mean, because I don't know how many threads you're going to actually need yeah, to do that. So, so. It's, you know, for for a full face, I think, you know, you're looking at about $2,000 maybe. Right. Um, when you say full face, I mean, you're not- Key indication. So, yeah. yeah. Kind of lower face. So, you know, uh, lower cheek, nasolabials, maybe marionettes, um, maybe- Temples, mm-hmm. um, so you might be using around the hundred to one hundred and twenty threads. Okay, a little bit of neck, depending on where they're up to. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that sounds about so. So for a face and neck, probably like two, two and a half thousand, probably something like that, roughly ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's fairly reasonable. Okay. Yeah. It's just good because people are going, well, that sounds yeah. great, but like, yeah. how much is it really going to yeah. cost? Because at the end of the day, you know, as you said, people have got budgets. So of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the one thing is, you know, we're seeing someone come in for that treatment. That's two thousand dollars. They're not coming back for another year. Yeah. Um, so it's it's you know generally at uh, the wider market we see patients having one treatment once and then in a year's time they're coming back. So it's not like they're dipping into their pocket every three months yeah. to to follow up. So yeah. And I'm assuming um, probably Dana that um, after a while you you sort of you bank the collagen and so you might have a couple of treatments and then you'd probably see that you're going to get more longevity as time progresses because you've built up 
those collagen banks? Correct. So the collagen usually lasts about, um, the, the, the theory is it lasts about 18 to 24 months. But because it breaks down year on year, you want to maintain it with less threads and less treatment costs um, every year. So 12 months is a very good time to come back and have uh, another treatment. Um, this sounds like a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> That's my job. I tend to do the stupid ones. <laughs> the people who are used to injectables and filler particularly who get a little bit too much enjoyment out of it and look a little bit doughy and pillowy, have you started to see anyone who loves the threads and, and they're sort of getting a thread addiction? You mean other than like Dana? 500. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving to a Okay. <laughs> I have never no over. No I have judging. never <laughs> intentionally overfilled anyone in my life. My patients are luckily we self-select our patients. I'm a very conservative injector. I tend to attract people who are not overfilled. Um, the ones that have come through will be referred from other people who just get specific procedures. They do like the threads. Actually, they've come to the realization they are overfilled and they've requested um, lifting threads just to take that heaviness away. Mm -hmm. The mono threads in this case would not have much utility because it, it's just for skin quality and most of them, the skin will be a little bit stretched. So unless that stretch is actually taken away, the monos don't really add much to it. But certainly there are, there are indications for other types of threads which we're now covering here. I guess what I meant is they see the initial result and then they're back again so saying, I want more, more of that. You know what I, I think we see that. at the moment? Not the patients doing it, but the injectors getting uh -huh. super obsessed by it. I actually... Uh, and just know. like, that's all I'm doing. I'm just doing threads. Yes. I'm I, not using threads. I'm never going to use a, a, a mill of filler ever again. I, I put up a story for you guys to, to get some questions from, from injectors and I had someone... Pester, not pestering me, just very, very <laughs> enthusiastic, just saying, you know, how much she loves it. She's doing it every day. And all yeah. of her photos were just threads, threads, threads. There's no filler anywhere. Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, yeah. I'd never thought of a thread practice that just does threads. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I was saying before. Some people that have got, the injectors have got a bit disillusioned with the market and the filler and what it was doing and, and overfilling and stuff have discovered that threads can give them something different and really got on board with it. Well, you don't have uh, the occlusion risk either, which is always a bit yeah. comforting. Yeah. That, that, well, yeah, I certainly... Um feels safe. I mean, you can get skin staining if you're too superficial. Is that correct? You can see the thicker threads if you're too superficial. For example, the ones with the spirals or if they're braided. Yeah. If the ends are too superficial, you can sometimes get a lump at the end. Yeah. Um, in thin areas like um, the periorbital region, I would really highly advise against doing it too superficially. The other areas are fairly, um, fairly uh, forgiving. So you don't really have much trouble. Uh, for example, some men, you put some threads in there for it because they've got quite a concavity. You really need to infiltrate and make sure the plane is flat before you put um, the mono or whatever in. But um, if you see the end of the thread, you can push it through and just take it out. But most of the time, if it's just stuck there and you can't take it out, in thick skin, it's not usually an issue. So it's very forgiving in areas of thick skin. What about, um, you know, you've got the wrong plane and, and, and you don't realize at the time, can you get puckering of the skin? No, there are no barbs or cogs. It's just a straight thread. So pretty much it just doesn't work as well. Yeah. So you've pretty much wasted one thread. Even if you put it in um, not so much a vital structure, for example, a salivary gland or a duct, it just dissolves over time. Like um, I know there are issues about uh, is collagen scar tissue? Yes, it is absolutely scar tissue. How else are you going to hold it up? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the analogy that I have in my head is you're basically creating many, 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 many inflammatory processes. And, and as a unit, that is creating the contractor and, and, and the improvement in the skin. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that um, most of the time you're just getting away with a, with a good numbing cream, but um, if you need more than that, what are you, what are you sort of, what are you doing? to numb the area using local or what? I infiltrate the whole area. So I just take some local with adrenaline and dilute it in half just so the adrenaline doesn't make them too jittery. And I use a long cannula and just infiltrate the entire area. Right. That could make it interesting if they're a bit too jittery trying to get the thread th- thread through. I'm not jittery. That's fine. If they're jittery, that's fine. <laughs> and for due diligence, make sure you check their body weight and, and you know how Absolutely. to convert the local so you don't intoxicate With adrenaline, it's seven milligrams per kilo. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay. Um, I guess the crux of this podcast is um, why would people choose a PDO thread over a collagen stimulating filler or over, you know, we mentioned PRP earlier or over needling? Like, what, you know, experienced injectors got all these things that they're in their sort of disposable. Why would you choose PDO thread? That comes back to the question about what is the primary indication. If I were to do PRP, it would be for scar remodeling, uh, evening out the skin tone, um, improving improving pores, and I would combine it with other treatments like a microneedling or a laser. It's an adjunctive treatment. Sure, there are studies showing that PRP is effective, but it is rarely used as a standalone treatment. Mm. It certainly cannot fill. There is no volumization. If you want to be specific about biostimulator injections, like I said, it's very hard to get it right in the skin where you want that... um, skin envelope to be tight you can do it but it takes more effort it takes me only about 10 minutes to do 50 threads so it it just takes a lot more um, time for me to put um, a biostimulator dilute it to half strength or whatever and just get it right in the dermis with a large bore cannula that's that's technically difficult even for me I've been doing it for a very long time and if I want to expand the the fat layer I look at as I said uh, are they volume appropriate if they're Mm. not volume appropriate then the monos are not going to cut it there is some dermal thickening like I I said, I'm not that hollow in my temples or my forehead, but the monos have actually filled it up uh, to a certain extent. So it looks a lot smoother than it used to. Yeah. Um, and with other treatments like medic- uh, energy devices or, or um, other collagen stimulating treatments, like I said, it's all about the primary, uh, primary um, indication. So, yeah. So I'm thinking as an injector here, and there'll be people listening to this podcast, and, and you know, one of the things that we mentioned is the crepiness under the eye. Mm. So not the tear trough, not the hollow, not the bag, but the, the skin quality. So what would your go-to product be for that indication that's that very That I difficult? would actually use PRP because it's a, you can build it up. It's a continuum of treatment. Initially, it might be too fragile. They might bleed too much, get hemocytin and staining touch wood. And you use the PRP to strengthen it. You use a cannula to minimize bruising, take all the precautions you can Mm -hmm. or you might if they're the right skin type you might do a co2 laser to improve that when you get to a point where the skin is strong enough then you graduate onto the mono threads because that's the right indication at that point in time so what point is it strong enough i mean do the pinch test do the pinch test and if you're doing other injectables do they bleed or bruise as easily as they used to Mm -hmm. yeah so things change with time we build a long-term relationship to assess these differences so write good notes and take good photos so what's the pinch test for people listening um I guess if the skin snaps back very quickly, uh, experienced injectors will know because it's like I said, the elasticity is a tactile sensation. But if you're if you're squeezing like a periorbital pocket of skin and it just stays there and it doesn't, <laughs> please do not do that. Yes. Yeah. So that basically shows they don't have the integrity to, to hold the thread. Correct. And and you need something else prior to that. Yeah. Okay. Elasticity is um, something that I think we all, you know, we're talking about collagen and, you know, volumization, but does there anything that these threads do to improve the elasticity other than, I guess, creating more volume in the area to improve that rebound? 
It doesn't. Okay, collagen is a helical protein. So if it forms around the axis of the thread, it contracts in the direction of that axis. So because it's a helical protein, as it contracts, it causes that elasticity and bounds. Elastin is a whole different protein altogether. But I'm guessing with the whole inflammatory process, you create it as another byproduct with the regeneration. You can also increase it because when you put in monothreads, the hub of the needle is exactly in the right depth where you should be injecting the PRP. Mm -hmm. So you can combine it to improve that because you know for a fact that PRP also creates collagen. Mm. So to summarize the the classic perfect patient, is that a, you know, 40-ish year old woman with, you know, starting to have concerns about their skin, maybe a bit of early skin damage from the sun, but not, you know, like you just said, papery thin, Mm -hmm. and maybe a bit scared of filler or maybe has already done filler. Is that the sort of patient that is sort of prime for, for someone wanting threads. Yeah, those are the perfect physical attributes, but they also have to have reasonable expectations, be willing to wait and just be sensible. Yeah, so that is a very important part of my criteria when I'm assessing someone. If they have unrealistic expectations and they're going to call me 10 times a day for one bruise, then that's not the right patient. <laughs> of course, but yeah, same for fillers and everything else, yeah. isn't it? And so what are you telling them? What what Forget the bruising everything. Let's assume you were perfect. What are they going to expect from the results? What can they see? What can they feel? When should they come back? When should they do another round potentially? So you don't, um, I tell them you don't really see much result until the six week mark. Mm -hmm. So you can take some photos just to track the progress. And I've just had a girl come back at barely four weeks and she's not heavy to start with, I think mid thirties. And she's already had significant improvement in her jawline. Not that she was heavy to start with, but you can just see that tightening on both two dimensional and three dimensional reconstruction for the photos. Mm. So um, at 12 weeks, that will be even better. And by the 12 month mark, there will be some residual collagen, but that's a time to just revisit and retreat so you can maintain that and it's a very good um, treatment going forward because it looks very natural it doesn't create um, weird contours and there's no risk of overfilling yeah hmm. i guess it's, it's one of these procedures as well that sometimes can be difficult to capture in an image hmm. because it's not like you're not adding a volume or shape to an area you're improving like the texture and, and the way you said like the way it feels so sometimes you can't you can't properly translate the result in a photograph. I mean, maybe videos are better or you can see someone, you know, grabbing an area and doing the pinch test or moving around where you start to see the skin. You know, someone's got saggy skin, it's sort of when it's dynamic, it moves in a certain way where you can tell that it's sun damaged and age and doesn't have that integrity anymore. Yeah. It's quite interesting you say that because uh, you're absolutely right about the photographs. It's a bonus when we get a good before, after, 2D or 3D, whatever. But when someone comes back and I'm doing another treatment, I've had someone come back with very thin, fragile skin before. I've done monos in that person. Um, And she was prone to eczema. And when she came back later on, I had trouble getting an injectable filler needle through her skin. So that's how much her skin has strengthened by. And you can actually feel that toughness, that 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 elasticity and strength resisting you. So it's all about the peripheral um, uh, methods of assessment. You can't standardize it. I can't publish it in a clinical paper. And certainly they're not going to let me take biopsies. Um, yeah, I'm a bit obsessed with the biopsies. But um, yeah, patient satisfaction, I would say, is at least 80% in my practice. I was just thinking, are there any indirect ways you can showcase results, like say with a vizier, um, which for people who don't know is sort of a, a camera that looks under the skin and one of the criteria it checks is fine lines. Mm. Have you ever tried that? No, 
not specific for this. I find Vizia to be touch and go. I've had Vizia photos taken. Um, we've taken it with both the high resolution camera we have in clinic versus a Vizia. I look, um, our camera is really high resolution. So with my skin, you may not see something now, but I look like a freak when, when it's under <laughs> magnification. With the Vizia, it's actually saying things that aren't, I just find it very unreliable. Mm -hmm. I'm not to, not to say, maybe I'm not using it correctly. I probably shouldn't say that. Thanks, Danny. But, You're just getting us sued by Vizia. Thank you. I hope you're happy. <laughs> but it is it is fairly variable. I mean, maybe I'm not using it correctly. Yeah. But with my pigmentation, I've had multiple lasers since then. I don't think it's gotten worse. Certainly the high-res camera hasn't shown that it's worse. Mm. But with the Vizio, the assessment just doesn't correlate to what we see in real life. So, so what's the high-res camera? What, what is it? And what makes it's it? It's a very expensive camera my boss really likes. So It's not... A Vectra? No, not a Vectra. He's got this high-end camera that I shouldn't drop, but anyway. <laughs> but like a normal DSLR just, just, type Just a camera. normal. Just like a macro so lens. So you can so blow you just... it up to 12 meters or something, and it's your every, every pore, every line will still look really sharp. That sounds like Stephen Liu. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, you know, attention to detail is key for something like this, for sure. So, um, yeah, and that's, you know, that's one of the big criticisms that injectors have. Like, I, I can't showcase my results mm. and, you know, everything on Instagram is the thing sticking out of the face, but mm. that's it. And that's maybe one of the challenges is like, this is, this, is it hype, right? Or we just see all these Instagram things and, you know, it seems sticking out of their faces and stuff. And I think initially it was like, oh, this looks great for Instagram. I will bring it into the clinic yeah. when it's so much more than that, right? It really is a, a genuine treatment. So uh, I think there's an opportunity for us to go and have pes uh, like some testimonials and say, look, I've had treatments. This is how I feel. This is what how my skin is and so forth and give patients or future patients a bit of an understanding. Yeah. So, And in terms of exploring, do you want some more champagne, by the way? I'm good, mate. Okay. okay. Uh, in, ter <laughs> in terms of... Oh, you're finished. I'm fine. <laughs> um, in terms of like the future of where you might be able to use these threads, move, like sort of moving into the future, would you have any ideas or areas that you, you know, you want to try or things you're thinking might be possible as a sort of progression of knowledge and experience happens? I think for us, it's body. Yeah. Um, it's trying to find, okay, what body parts, what patient types, how many threads. And, and you know, Dana uh, mentioned double screws, which are, you know, two th uh, uh, threads or two monofilaments uh, around or each other. They're probably a volume treating product that we haven't used enough about and we need to figure out, okay, what we can do. And there are developments as well in, in, in South Korea of, you know, threads that are basically like a tube. Yeah. So you would insert it into a nasolabial and fill it completely up and the collagen would, would infiltrate the tube. So there's products coming. Yeah. So yeah. And I'm assuming maybe the development of bigger threads for the body if you're doing like yeah. arm or abdomen or something you don't want to be there with like you know yeah. for 10 hours injecting these little, you might want to have bigger ones yeah or 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 a, a treatment where you know they're connected together like one of the the injector guns you know yeah where you're throwing in maybe 10 threads at a time or something to like spider-man yeah you just, yeah <laughs> it yeah. sounds like an inside aesthetics on vogue exclusive are they coming uh, are they... no i have no idea i just thought about it then there you go <laughs> it's patented by the way completely painted yeah <laughs> fair enough now i got a couple of um Listener questions. Uh, we, we, to be fair, we've answered many of them already, so sorry if I, I don't um, quote people. Um, KJ Hadlow 36. How long after threads can you have laser, needling, filler, and Botox? 
With energy devices, I always advise if you want to have any energy treatments, do it before the threads. With laser 1064, um, nanometers can actually penetrate up to four, four, yeah. four millimeters. So I would highly advise against doing it until mm -hmm. at least three months after you've had the threads. Yeah. Depends on the indication. I am a bit on the cautious side, but I'm also kind of a dictator when it comes to treatment plans. My patients have to do it in the order I set it out in because if the results are not good, I don't want to be responsible if I made the wrong choice. Um, so for needling, it's more about the infection risk. Botox, there's no contraindication. You can do it um, at the same time if you wish. But because I tend to use a lot of anesthetic, I can't see the movement after they've had um, <laughs> the treatments. I tend not to do it on the same day. Yeah. And I also prefer they get pre-treated before I actually do it so I can see what the lowest point um, of, of the face is if yeah. I relax some of their muscles. Uh, with regards to skin needling, again, infection risk. Um, if they've had no previous dental work or dental implants, I think two weeks is safe enough you just make sure they don't have an infection from a, from the threads you put in because that will complicate matters um, but skin needling you wouldn't really go that deep but um, having said that people who have acne scarring you can go up to 2.5 millimeters with them needling so just use your discretion yeah. superficial needling anytime from two weeks and deeper deeper needling i'd say just be on the safe side uh wait about three months because you really want the collagen to kick in before you do anything yeah this one down here. Yeah. So Sounds Kate, like a very cynical person. Yeah, well, it's the same person. I know. Um, <laughs> so these supposedly induce collagen production. Is that just code for scar tissue? But I think we sort of covered that it is. It is absolutely scar tissue. It's just what type of scar tissue. When you cut yourself, you get a um, long bundle of collagen that's trying to plug a wound. That's what wound healing is. And you get a type 3 collagen that is um, kind of in, 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 in a single direction. It's not a basket weave pattern, so it's very stiff. The strength is not good. It's, it can be quite brittle and be prone to rupture. That's not what you want. You're doing controlled damage with every single treatment you're doing that induces collagen. The controlled microtrauma causes little pockets of collagen that are distributed in a random pattern, so it is kind of smooth over the skin it's not a fibrotic um it's not a fibrotic plaque to, to uh, so to speak and i think it makes a lot of sense in that um you're trying to create tiny pockets that uh don't cause any significant uh, big areas of scarring but you really need that tightness um that's that comes from the collagen there's no other way to do it. our body doesn't make anything else <laughs> yeah um oh the injectables queen so this is um benny mm. from cosmos clinic she said, um, monos for people over 50, mixed results, info, question mark. My mom's in her 70s, great results. She gets yeah. re results even faster than anyone I've seen after any laser. So but imagine your mom's yeah. got beautiful porcelain skin. She's got better skin, skin than I do. So Yeah, yeah. Whereas, I think we see a variety of patients. Yeah. You know, we've seen the, the 30s all the way through to the 60s and so forth. Yeah. And they come back to the ability for that patient to generate collagen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, someone asked me a question. Yes, I was going to ask you that because you were. <laughs> well, please always, read it out. Well, I was going to say because I mean, well, let's just be honest. I mean, you've always been traditionally someone that's been quite sat on the fence about threads, and you've said, I don't know whether they work, whether they do, whether they don't. I don't yeah. know. I'm just going to stick to my fillers and my, and my Botox. Yeah. So, someone has asked you, Emma M's barber said, why have you changed your mind or opinion on threading? So, Jake, answer the question. So, I think what they meant was <laughs> maybe they thought I'd introduce it to my practice because of the photos, and and that was my training session. But um. To, I guess to answer the point generally, um, whether you gave me a new toxin, a new filler, thread, a device, a laser, I'm always pretty skeptical, to be completely honest. No, how no. My mind works. Wow. Yeah, me? Wow. <laughs> me? 
Um, and so it's it, it, it's not a yes or a no. It's a, I have to try and and make my mind up. I, you know, I won't believe any literature. I'm just I'm just too cynical. Um, but uh, you know, but my one patient is already saying my eyes feel and look good. So you know, that's a win. For the threads, and I just need to do more. Um, so we'll just send your next yeah, just send me hundred bag order. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Sorry, exactly. can I be your next patient, Jake? I'm I'm very keen. You know, well, no, you know, I'm, you know, I'm all about being the experiment. To be fair, I think there are specific indications that I would really like to try them for. One, like we said, was the under eye. Two is those tricky accordion lines or or the extended lines from the crow's feet all the way down. Um, that ever so slight looseness on the submental region that, you know, they're not going to go for a neck lift, but there's no yeah. real alternative you could try um hyperdiluted red yes we've done that in you david yeah. before um you know it, it's all about trial and error yeah. and 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 it's not about no it's just about i need i need i need the experience and the hands-on so i think there's great promise in it and you know so if someone like dan is doing it then certainly there's merit in it i would agree so how can people get in touch with, I guess, Ian, if they want to reach out and get yeah. training or they want to inquire about yeah. um, introducing monothreads into their clinic? How do they best get in touch and reach out the to The easiest you? way is just to go to the website. It's yeah. in vogueskin.com.au. Um, and there's a um, an info form there. So they could also email us directly at info at invogueskin.com.au. And it's in vogue. It's E-N, not E-N. E-N-V-O-G-U-E. Yeah. Skin. Uh weird name but whatever um <laughs> we chose it and then we're stuck with it uh but yeah so that's probably the quickest way so we have sales team all the way through australia so uh they reach out to us one of the bdms will come and speak to them tell them what the product is and so forth give them that introduction and then organize training um yeah and i think we're going to do a special offer for listeners of uh, inside aesthetics so oh, wow. put that we're, somewhere we're honored oh. yeah so are we uh, yeah so th the key is just to get that training initial training and then yep. the support going on from that so yeah did you want to announce what your special offer is yeah so what we will offer to listeners of Install Aesthetic is a 50% reduction on their minimum order to get retraining that's huge so, yeah. yeah so we we believe that you know, a lot of people say, okay, you know, you pay for your training and, and so forth rather than product. We prefer the other way around. We want people to, or clinics to have stock in their shelves the minute they've finished their training. Yeah. It's because that skill needs to be used straight away. Yeah. And then the BDMs will help the clinics from a patient management point of view, encourage them do the, you know, Instagram tiles and so forth. So they've got that stock to use straight away. So yeah. So if they reach out to us and, and, um, and mention inside aesthetics, they'll get a 50% reduction on that minimum order and they'll get their training and, and now they'll be giving patients fantastic results. Fantastic. Amazing. We'll be spreading the word on yeah. social media. Thank you. And, uh, Dana, if people want to reach out and become, um, get biopsied or experimented on or whatever it is, you want them to, how do they reach out to you? Well, I work at Shape Clinic with Dr. Stephen Liu. Yep. So um, www.shapeclinic.com.au or we're quite active on Instagram. So yep. just search for Shape Clinic and yep. you'll see a beautiful wall of the Instagram. Yeah. And you guys are located in Darlinghurst. Darlinghurst. So yep. um, 109 slash 198 Boundary Street, Darlinghurst. Great. So I want to come and visit and watch you do some, Dana. That'll be fun. Always welcome. Yeah, 2021. That's my New Year's resolution. Go and watch Dana. Yeah, stab Stick people. Stick threads in <laughs> people's face. Stab people. Exactly. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for your time. It's been a really fun chat. Yeah, actually. it's been great. I like these evening sessions with champagne. It's good. Thank, thank you for the time. More. We need to do more. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Take thank care. You. Thank no you. Thank you. Cheers. Good night. 
for our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests. 